Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. 1045. How are we feeling, 1045? Good, good, good. So glad that you are here. How many of your uh, Thanksgiving tradition involves um, a nap? Man, praise God. That's one of my Thanksgiving traditions. I love doing that. Naps are deeply spiritual. Um, Man, today's going to be really interesting. It's going to be a little different, um, but I I think it's going to be kind of awesome today. And as I was preparing for this message today, I was reminded of what the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Philippians. Paul wrote this letter. He was um, in prison. He had been arrested for um, sharing the message of Jesus to the world. And Paul writes the church in Philippi and, and, and his, his, you, you sense his love and his, his gratitude and his gratefulness for the people that are there. Paul had, had, had met many of these people and helped them start a church in Philippi. And then Paul uh, was eventually led by God to leave and, and, and do some other things. And, and when, when Paul writes this, and I was thinking about this message today, as I was thinking about you, I, I mean, I just felt a real kinship to Paul. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving, despite how you might hope that I would, but uh, I'm going to be here. But I want to read this to you um, because this is, this is just how I feel about you guys as, as I preach this message. It says this in Philippians 1. It says, I thank God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. In other words, he's saying from the work that we did from the beginning to start this church and and to reach the people that lived in Philippi to know about the message of Jesus from the start of this work until now. And then he says this in verse six, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And, and what he means is, is that the, the same Jesus who began the work in your life and the same Jesus that began the work in your little church, he's gonna be faithful to complete it. Whatever God intends to do, he's going to do it and he wants to use you and he is using you. And so Paul writes this letter with so much love and affection and, and gratefulness to the people of Philippi. And honestly, y'all, as I think about this message and, and, and where we're going today, I just, I think about you and it's, it, it perfectly sums up how I feel about you. I love you. I'm grateful for the work of the gospel that God is, is doing in you and through you as a church. And I'm just, honestly, I'm just humbled and I'm blown away and I'm grateful to be a part of it. As we go into this message today, uh, we're going to do three things. Um, we're going we're gonna, to, I'm going to update you on some things. And then as a result of that update, we're going to celebrate some things. And then um, I'm going to give an opportunity for some folks who maybe are a little bit newer with us, who are unaware of some of these things that we've been doing as a church for the last seven months, um, to give you an opportunity to maybe pray about joining us in the things that God is calling us to do. In April of this year, our church embarked on a two-year faith journey that we called Never Settle. And I'm just curious by show of hands, how many of you were with us in uh, early spring of this year when we went through uh, the Never Settle Vision Series and we, we began the Never Settle journey together? If you were here, you're part of that, raise your hand. Awesome, awesome, praise God. Wow, that's exciting. For you, um, listen, I want you to know the things that God has been doing as a result of your faith, as a result of your prayers, as a result of your obedience and generosity. And for the folks that are new with this, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that you, you didn't just come to a, a church that, that is really all about the hour, hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning where we show up and, and kind of feel better about ourselves and get entertained and then we, we go back out in the world and don't think about God or Jesus anymore. That's not the kind of church that this is. 
you, you've, you've come and, and you've spent some time with a church that's on the move. That God's given us a vision, he's given us some direction and, and we are, as best as we can, um, aggressively and diligently trying to follow Jesus and where he's leading our church. He is the boss of the church and we are following his instruction and his directions, amen? And so that's the kind of church that you come to and there are other great churches that are doing awesome things in our community. Um, we're not in competition with those other churches. Uh, we're in partnership with those churches. Our competition is against the enemy of hell who wants to steal, kill, and destroy the lives of people. Amen? By the way, you can say amen really at any time. You don't have to wait for me to ask for you to. There we go. So what is Never Settle? Never Settle is a two-year vision campaign that is designed to see 250 people's lives changed by the radical love of Jesus. When Jesus began his church, I'm certain that Jesus in all of his eternal ability to see all things past, present, and future could look down the, the corridors of history and time and see all kinds of awesome churches and all kinds of awesome ministries and, uh, and, 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 and all kinds of buildings and all kinds of things. But can I tell you, I don't believe that that's what Jesus was thinking when he said that on me, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. All of those things are fine and good and they serve a purpose, but can I tell you what I believe that Jesus saw when he made that statement? He saw you. He saw us. He saw all the people across the globe that he designed, that he wired, that he created, that he loved so much that he died on a cross for them to experience the true life that can only be found in him. And so as we begin this journey, God gave us three images three metaphors for us to evaluate, not just our church, but to evaluate our own lives. And, and the challenge went like this. What, what kind of, what, what do you want the image of your life? What do you want the image of this church to be? We have some options. We can choose the image of the museum. What is a museum? Museum is a place filled with ancient things. It's a place where people come to learn about the stories of things that have already happened. There is nothing new, there is nothing um, revelational, there is no, no forward progress in a museum. It is, it, 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 a museum simply catalogs the things that have already happened in history. The second image that we were challenged with was the image of a monument. What is a monument? A monument is, is static. It's something that people pass by on their way to something else. It's not very often that, I mean, I've seen people stop and, and look at a monument. I've been to, you know, some places in, in America. I've, I've had a chance to go to some places across the world to see some cool things and some cool places. And I stop and look at it, but eventually like, all right, we're moving on to the next thing. And here was, here was the challenge where, where God challenged us to listen, how does your relationship, what, what, best, what best describes your relationship with God? Is it the museum where, where when you think about your relationship with God, you think about the things that God has done somewhere else in someone else, but not in me? Or does your relationship with God, is it best defined as the monument that, yeah, God's done some things, but, but and there's some things in my life that are written that record, you know, this is what this monument is, and this is what happened, and this is how God moved, but, but that's it. They're, they're like you're static, and you're, and you're, you're, you're so firm and, 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 and deeply planted and rooted that, that there is no forward progress. You're just kind of stuck in this place and in this season. And the truth is, is I believe that these two images describe 
an unfortunate number of people who belong to Jesus. And so God began to, to give us a third image and, and, and he, he wanted us to have the image of a movement. A movement is something that is in motion. It's something that people join to be a part of the stories that have yet to be told, the stuff that is yet to happen. And what God's design and desire for all of us, if we are, uh, once we are in a relationship with God, that our relationship with God would be constantly in motion, that it would constantly be fresh, it would constantly be new, that, that there would be new things that would be happening. And can I tell you, what God wants for us on an individual basis is the exact same thing that God wants for his church. There has never been a church that God hope would turn into a museum. There's never been a church that, that once had a vision to, to go into a new territory or build a new building or, or start a new ministry where God launched that with the intention and the hope that someday this is going to be a big cavernous thing that people are going to come in and look at and only talk about what used to be. God's desire for his church is that it would be always forward-leaning. It would always be with an aggressive posture. Why? Because the church is one of the only institutions that have ever existed on the face of the planet that exists primarily for its non-members. The church should never be consumed or obsessed with how many people are in the walls of the church. They should always be broken and passionate about the people that are outside of the walls of the church. And so God gave us these images. And what we learned is, is that what is true for our lives individually is true for a church. The way that we prevent from, be, from moving out of being a movement to becoming a monument or a museum is one thing. And that one thing that we must have to prevent that from happening is we must have a vision that demands divine intervention. That in your life personally, if you do not have things in your life that you are praying for God for, believing God for, that you are seeking his word for, that you are submitting yourself to the spirit of God for correction and discipline and change, if there's not something in your life that you are seeking God for, then you will eventually move out of the movement and into the monument or the museum. The life cycle of so many Christians is the moment they get saved, they're excited, they're filled with new life and they're enthusiastic about it. But something happens over time that we get less concerned about the movement and we get more concerned with other things. And here, you know what happens for a lot of Christians? And this might hurt a little bit, but I didn't say this in the first service, but I feel God impressed me to say it in this service. What happens for a lot of Christians is what began with new life and new excitement and a passion about helping and serving and reaching other people, that what happens is we become like a museum where we are just filled with a bunch of information that never actually impacts anybody's life. And so we need a vision, not just in our lives, but in our church as well. As a church, we need a vision where we can say, God, we feel like you're leading us here. We're gonna take steps of faith in this direction. And if you don't show up, God, we are screwed. God, we need you to show up. If you're leading us there, we're trusting you to go there. We can't get there on our own. You're gonna have to show up. And so this vision of reaching 250 people over the next two years for a church of our size, like that seems like an impossible thing. I'm just gonna tell you, we will not get there on our own. In another 18 months, we will not have 250 stories of people whose lives have been radically changed and impacted by the love and the grace and the power of Jesus working in and through the people of this church unless God shows up. Because let me tell you something. Movements that impact people out there never happen 
And so there's a movement of something that is stirred up in here. And a movement to stir something up in here will never happen until each of us individually are able to get to the place where we ask the Spirit of God to do a movement in here. And movement is what God wants for us. It's what God wants for our lives personally. It's what he wants for our church. And so as we lean into this, we learn from Matthew 17, Jesus challenged his disciples. In this, he says, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. Jesus was using something that his disciples would have easily understood that he used a mustard seed. It was, it was one of the smallest agricultural uh, seeds in, in that part of the world in Jesus's day. A mustard seed is about the size, take a ballpoint pen, dot it, on a piece of paper that's about the size of a mustard seed. And what Jesus is saying is, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could tell a mountain to get up and move. And like, that was a colloquialism, like that he wasn't literally saying you could tell a mountain to get up and move. But if you are ever in a situation where you tell a mountain to get up and move, please tell me about it because I want to be your new best friend. Because I'm going to have some wicked awesome stories to tell and and maybe probably lose a job because you need to start preaching about what God is doing instead of me. But here's the reason why Jesus used the mustard seed. Because the mustard seed, even though it starts so small, when it is planted, when it is nurtured, when it's cultivated, it grows to become one of the largest trees in the Middle East during Jesus's day. A tree that grows up to 30 feet tall and its branches spread across 20 feet. And here's what Jesus is trying to get across to his disciples. Listen, I'm not, I'm not asking you to obsess about the size of the seed or the size of the tree. Here's what we learn from the mustard seed. The mustard seed is able to grow like that only because of its persistence. It just keeps growing. It keeps growing. Every day, it keeps growing. It reaches a little deeper with its roots. It reaches a little broader. It just, it just keeps growing and keeps growing and keeps growing. And what God wants for you, what God wants for me, is for us to have the kind of faith that just keeps growing, that it is persistent. And a persistent faith is defined as a faith that is always filled with expectation of God to do something. And what God wants for us is that in every moment of our lives, in every season of our lives, that we would show up, that we would wake up with the expectation, God, would you move? God, I am believing that you are gonna move in this situation. God, I am expecting you to change and rearrange some things in my life. God, I'm gonna open your word with the expectation that you are gonna speak something specifically to me that can be the answer to a question that I've been wrestling with, that can be the, the thread that I've been trying to pull on to try to figure something out. God, I'm gonna have an expectation that you are gonna move. And when you move, I'm gonna grow. And that's what we get across. That's what we learn from the mustard seed. And so we laid out four initiatives as a part of this. I want to give you an update on on how we're doing with some of this stuff. One of the initiatives that we, we wanted to equip each person at our church for personal evangelism. And so what we did as we went through this process, we did a couple of things. Uh, We did an evangelism training workshop, which we'll bring back again at some point next year for those that that missed it the first time. Um, But we also did a teaching series called Who's Your One? And in this series, what we did is, is, is we went back and we looked at the movement of Jesus and how it has been able to spread like wildfire across all of the known world. The reason why you and I are able to have our lives impacted and affected by Jesus is because the people who followed Jesus in the earliest of days understood something. 
They understood that the best way for the movement of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, the impact of Jesus to advance into other people's lives is if each one of us in the Jesus movement go tell somebody who is not yet in the Jesus movement, who's not yet heard about Jesus, who's not been impacted by Jesus yet, we need to tell them about what Jesus has done in our lives. And so what we learned was this idea, this value, this, this principle that, 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 that in order for us to see our city changed by Jesus, in order for us to see the people who are close to us but far from God, in order for their lives to be impacted and changed by Jesus, then we need to adopt an each one, reach one mentality. We need to be constantly looking for the opportunities to show and to share the love of Christ with people. During that series, we encourage you, listen, if there is somebody that you are praying for, if there's somebody that we can join you, every Monday we get together as a staff and then, and then after we pray over these things, we have a, a prayer team that prays on them over throughout the course of the week. We pray over every single prayer request that is turned in. And here's what's been really cool. Ever since we did that series, almost every single week, there's a lady in our church named Sabrina who said, listen, would you pray for my one? My one is my husband, Danny. Week after week after week, we would see that prayer request. We would pray for Sabrina. We would pray for Danny. A few weeks ago, we got a prayer request from Sabrina and said, praise God, I woke up this morning and my husband said, I'm coming to church with you. Please keep praying for Danny. Last Sunday after the second service, Danny came up to me and said, man, I committed my life to Jesus today. Can we come into his course with thanksgiving? And I mean, that's better than a touchdown and arrowhead. Come on, you can clap, you can shout, you can hoot and holler. So listen, keep sharing. Keep looking for opportunities to tell people about Jesus. Keep, keep praying for your one. Keep looking for a chance to share with your one. I'm gonna see my one over Christmas. I've not seen him since we, we did the series. He's my grandfather. I did have a chance a couple of weeks ago to, to share the gospel with my number two over a football game. And, you know, no major radical life-changing decisions yet, but I'm praying and believing that, 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 that that's going to happen. So keep praying for your one. Keep sharing. Keep inviting people. Listen, can I tell you, you know what the best Sunday is to invite somebody to come to church with you? The next one. And as we go into Christmas, y'all, listen, there are more, Christmas time, there are more people that are more willing, according to all sorts of research, there are more people who are more willing to consider saying yes to joining you in a church service than in the weeks leading up to Christmas and at any other time in the year. So keep inviting, go to the welcome tent, get an invite card, invite somebody this week. Here's the reason why, because you never know what God can do in someone's life because you extended an invite. Be a part of the movement. Extend an invitation. Here's another thing that God led us to do in this Never Settle campaign, um, that we want to expand our influence in the Northland by launching a second campus. And I spent a whole long time preaching on this. I'm not going to re-preach this whole thing. Um, but, but we believe that God's calling us to not just be one church in one location at one intersection in the Northland. We believe that God is calling us to, to look for opportunities to expand our influence, to not expect the Northland to come to where we are, but instead we're going to try to take, we're going to try to take the church to them. And, uh, and so, listen, I, I just want to give you an update. Where are we at on this? So we haven't talked about it in a little while. Um, we are actively, aggressively, but patiently seeking the Lord for, for who he would want to, to come be a part of our church staff. 
um, to help us launch that campus. It's gonna take about nine to 12 months once they join our staff to actually go through the process of launching that campus. So I would encourage you to be praying for us. Be praying that God would bring the right person. And maybe, listen, maybe, maybe you're the person that we've been praying for and the reason we haven't found that person yet is because it's supposed to be you and God's been telling you that for a little while, but you've been saying no, for the love of God, would you say yes? I'm half serious, half joking. But seriously, I don't know. If that little bit was for you, then say yes and come talk to me. Here's another thing we said that we felt like God was leading us to do to establish um, greater influence by financially positioning ourselves for a more permanent facility for this campus. Listen, the vision of our church has never been that we would be portable forever. All right? And everybody that's on the setup and teardown team said, Amen. I tell you what, Colin, you're in, I see you over here. We had about 38 people in the first service that said amen to that. And I said, we don't have that many people on the setup and teardown team. So the spirit of God is moving. So go come talk to Colin. We had three people set this whole place up this morning. And so if, if God is speaking to you right now, the answer is yes. There is an opportunity for you to serve, a team for you to be a part of. Colin, stand up. This is the guy. He just got back from Puerto Rico. He's feeling great, right? Go talk to Colin. We can get you plugged in. I promise you, we can get you serving by next Sunday. But here's the deal. We, we don't believe that God is... God is gonna lead us to be in a permanent facility by the time we're done with Never Settle, which will be April of 24. But we do believe that God is calling us to be, to have the financial resources to be able to negotiate. And by our calculations, that's gonna take probably three quarters of a million dollars to be able to, whether God is gonna have us to build something or um, to build, uh, 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 to renovate something, we don't know. Um, I can tell you that we've had a couple of conversations and explored a couple of options and none of that has proven overly fruitful yet. Um, but we are, we're, we're, we're graciously seeking where God would lead us to go. I will tell you this, um, a couple of months ago, our board, so our board um, is my boss, if you don't know. Um, we've got three people now on the board um, that are all a part of Discover Church and they have um, the financial responsibility and obligation to make sure that we're making wise and right and good decisions financially and legally. Um, they play a critical role in helping us figure out how the vision is going to, going to how, how are we gonna practically make this stuff happen and we, we do that prayerfully. Um, and, then, and then they serve collectively as my boss. I don't have total control around this place. I don't want total control around this place. I gladly and willingly submit myself to the leadership of the board. But two months ago, um, I'm excited to tell you that the, the, the board voted unanimously to bring another person onto our board. He is a godly man. He, he and his family have been a part of our church since the earliest of days. Um, he's a godly man, a godly husband. He's a new godly father. Um, he is a godly business owner. He's full of wisdom. Um, and he's, in, he's a contractor. He's deeply familiar with the construction space. And so God's orca orchestrated the events for him to join our board and join our team. And you can see a picture of him here. His name is Chris Height. He normally comes to the first service and sits right about here. Um, and so if you see him, make sure you say hello to him and thank him for, you know, that, that's a big role to take on and sign your name on like I will be financially responsible for whatever happens here. And so I'm grateful that Chris has, has joined our board team and is gonna help us as we move forward. 
Now here's the last thing, the fourth initiative for our uh, Never Settle campaign that we want to um, really kind of become front and center. The, the campus and the, the building, all that stuff is kind of a little ways out yet. But the next thing that's on the docket for us is front and center for us that we are setting our sights on to try to do something about. And it is this, that we want to partner or address the problem of homelessness in the Northland by partnering with a turning point to build out immediate overnight housing for women and families. Now, if you're not familiar with The Turning Point, The Turning Point is an incredible organization. They got started in 2016 and almost instantly, God began radically expanding their influence across the community. They've got a clothes closet. They've got a food pantry. They have an academy that they're helping people get their high school diploma. They're working in, um, in, in, the, in the county jails and they're doing all kinds of incredible things there. God is using them in profound ways. And so when we began our church in 2018, we said, listen, God, we, we wanna be a part of being a force for good in the community, but here's the deal. There's just a lot that we don't know. We're still trying to figure out how to be a church. And so God led us to, to try to find some people who um, were already on the ground, were already doing incredible work. And instead of us trying to reinvent the wheel, we want to partner with them in what they're already doing. Because here's the deal. We don't need Discover Church's banner all over everything. Like here, here's the posture of this church. It doesn't matter who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory. And so we want to partner with a turning point. And, and what they have identified is that the next incredible problem that is going on in our community is homelessness. Now, here's the deal. Most of us are unaware of this because most of us, when we think of homelessness, we think about the, 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 the stuff we see in third world countries. We see um, stuff that we see images and got really popular for uh, a few weeks at some point this year where a lot of people were complaining about um, things that were happening in different parts of our city with, with little camps and tent setups and all that stuff. That's not the kind of problem of homelessness that is going on in the Northland. The kind of homelessness that's going on in the Northland are people who woke up this morning with a bed to sleep in, but are going to go to bed tonight without one. Let me share what this looks like. According to a recent um, data, every night there are 600 students in the North Kansas City School District that are going to leave school without a home to go to. As I've talked to different uh, educators and administrators in different school systems and talked to different community leaders, like there is, there, there's this widespread recognition that this is a major problem, but there is nothing currently going on. There is no place right now for any of those kids to go to, any of those families to go to and have a warm, safe place to sleep tonight, a bed to sleep in tonight. And ATP has decided that's where God is leading us as our next problem to solve. And we're gonna help them do it. And I shared with you when we were rolling this vision out that God was leading us to, to not try to go fix the problem on our own. ATP is much better suited for this, but we wanna be a part of the solution. And so what we have done, um, and, and I shared this with you and, and, and I made this commitment to Kathy that, that when the funds are available to us, we're going to write them a $150,000 check to say, listen, y'all are going to solve a big problem. We hope this goes and helps cover part of it. And so here's what I'm asking you to do right now, specifically when it comes to a turning point and what they're doing. They are, um, they are very diligently looking for solutions. In fact, she, I was gonna share some of that with you and she actually, Kathy, the executive director of ATP, texted me yes, or last night and said, hey, please don't share the details because we need to kind of keep it under wraps. It's not ready to go public yet. Um, so I'm glad she shared that or else I would have just totally let the cat out of the bag. Um, but please be praying for them. They are they're very actively, like right now this week, um, engaging in a whole host of conversations about um, 
possible solutions uh, and opportunities for them to be able to make a massive, bold faith move in the Northland to let people know you don't have to keep living this way. There's a place for you. So I'm asking you, would you pray for ATP to have wisdom, to have clarity, and to have resources as they are embarking on this journey? Here's the second thing I'm gonna ask you to do. As we come towards the end of the year, I oftentimes talk to people, I've talked to several people already that said, Pastor, um, I'm thinking about the end of the year and I'd like to be able to give some sort of, I'd like to be generous towards the end of the year. How how can I do that? And I said, if you'll give me a couple of weeks, I'll tell you, but I'm not not ready quite yet to tell you. Um, But here's what we're gonna do. all of the excess of, of, of what comes in to help after we get all of our basic bills covered um, is gonna go right towards Never Settle, right to this thing that we're already doing. And my hope and my prayer is, is that shortly after the first of the year, on your behalf, in the name of Jesus, we can take a $150,000 check and deliver it to Kathy at a turning point and say, peace be with you, God is for you and we got your back. And so I'm asking you, would you pray about how God would lead you to give generously, to give radically, to give sacrificially so that you can be a part of helping see what God is doing through ATP become a reality. And so these are, these are the, the, the initiatives that God called us to for Never Settle. And each one plays a, a different role in how we're gonna engage these 250 people so that we can see their lives changed by Jesus. And when I put it all together, um, I was talking about this and I had a, a, a guy come to me from the church and uh, he's, he's, he's a funny, funny guy. He's also kind of loud. And uh, he comes up to me and he goes, Pastor, I don't know if you know this or not, but churches don't run on oxygen. You're gonna have to have money to do this. I said, I know. He goes, and why ain't you talked about it yet? I said, I'm getting there. Do you, want, do you want to preach it? And so this is a new experience for me. I've never done anything quite like this before. And so kind of trying to figure it out. And so, so here's what we did. We, we, we ran the numbers and said, okay, God, if we didn't do any of this stuff, we just did normal Discover Church stuff, what would it cost us? And then what would it cost us to add these things to the plate? What, how much, how much in, in, in a vision have you put in front of us to do over the next couple of years? And we ran all the numbers up. We came to the number of $3 million dollars. And God, we believe that you're putting $3 million worth of ministry in front of us to do over the next couple of years. And so what I did in that, in that message series is I came to you and said, guys, this is where God is leading us. And I did not ask you to give money to the church. I asked you to pray. And whatever it is that God puts on your heart to do, you do that thing. If God puts it on your heart to write a $3 million check, I won't be mad about it. Praise God. Or if God would say, you know what, this is not the time or the season for you. I don't want you to contribute or to be a part of this, then praise God. I'm not concerned about the money. This is God's church and God's gonna do what God's gonna, I mean, he raised Jesus out from the grave. So, I mean, if the grave is empty, anything's possible, right? And I just asked you, would you pray about it? And I remember this Sunday, for those of you that were here, Commitment Sunday, because you did pray. And you came and you took your commitment cards and, 
And, and, and you spent some time in prayer about it and, 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 you, and you, you, you prayed about your generosity journey and what step God would have you to take to be a part of, of this vision that God has put before us as a church. And you prayed about it and you, you wrote some things down. You, you came up to a faith number and you wrote it down and you put your name on it. And then y'all came and y'all, y'all, y'all put these on these stands that we, that we made. And when it was all said and done, we brought the stands onto the stage because what we wanted you to see is that 250 people are gonna be reached as a result of your obedience, as a result of your generosity, as a result of your commitment, that the point is not the money, the point is the people. And as your pastor, can I tell you, I'm not, the only reason why I am concerned about your money is because Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so if there are things in your life that have a hold of you and as a result have a hold of your money, I want you to live in the freedom that Jesus died for you to have. And something happens when we write something down. It's kind of like the difference between a a goals and a vision. Like, Like goals without a plan is just a dream. You gotta have a plan for it in order for it to become reality. The same is true in our faith steps with Jesus. Oftentimes we make these spiritual commitments, but we don't ever actually make it tactical and we don't make it tangible. We don't do anything with it. It just kind of stays in our, in our mind. It stays in our heart. And what you did is you came and you said, God, I'm giving this to you. And little could we have known all the things that would happen economically since that time which makes what I'm about to share with you like honestly unbelievable. Because in the last seven months since we started this Never Settle journey, you have given generously to the tune of $579,117.33. I don't know how much you know about churches and how big a church is and what they can expect, generally speaking, like there's a lot of data about that. This is a stupid number in a good way. And when I saw that this week, I was reminded of how I felt on that commitment Sunday when person after person, family after family brought their commitments for the Lord. And when I saw this, guys, I was like, God, what, how, how do I get to be a part of this? And church, you blow me away with your generosity. But like I told you, it's not about the money, it's about the people. So what impact has your generosity, what impact has Discover Church had on the lives of people since we launched this thing? We've seen 31 people make a decision in some way to say yes to Jesus and to have their life changed. Some of them committed their life to Christ and they came forward with baptism and said, listen, I belong to Jesus and I want, you know, it's like Buddy the Elf, you know, I'm in love and I don't care who knows it, right? Like he came, like you came and, and you made your faith public. We've had a number of people that have joined a small group at Discover Church for the first time. Some of them, some of you have joined a small group. You've never been a part of biblical community before, but you've done that in the last seven months. I had one of our small group leaders email me. So let me tell you about this couple that's been a part of our church for over a year, but felt incredibly disconnected, isolated, and lonely. They joined our small group this semester in September. And at our last small group gathering, they said, man, we can't believe this. Ever since we joined the small group, we feel like we know everybody. We've had 
scores of people that have gone through our Next Steps course that, that, that have allowed us to come alongside of them and help them figure out, like, why are you here? Like, why are you here in life? Like, why are you breathing? But also, why are you here at Discover Church? And what is the unique thing that God has created you and designed you for and with so that you can realize that you're here for a reason, you're here for a purpose. And we've seen people join our dream team that have begun to realize like, wow, I'm weird in this way for a reason and God's using it. Praise God. But our vision as a church is not, it's a big vision to see our city change, but it, it always happens through Individual steps, one life at a time. And I wanna share with you the story of one life that's been radically changed this year. His name is Chris Dingworth. You can see his picture here. This is him as he was coming to get baptized just a couple weeks ago. And I asked Chris, hey, Chris, can I, can I share your story? And he was like, man, who am I to withhold God from getting glory? This is Chris' story. And I'm paraphrasing part of it, quoting some of it. Chris says this, for 15 of my 31 years, I have either been drunk, high, or both. My life has been void of hope, joy, happiness, or love. I was self-destructive, and many times I prayed that when I fell asleep at night, that God would not allow me to wake up in the morning. I finally took matters in my own hands and attempted suicide. He said, quote, I remember waking up at the hospital realizing my attempt had been unsuccessful, also knowing that it should have been successful and that there was no logical earthly reason why I can still be alive, especially after what I had done. My inability to explain or articulate why I was alive is what drove me to rehab. Chris ended up going to a re, uh, recovery program and he got connected with a friend of his named Ryan. Ryan, by the way, about two years ago, got saved right here at Discover Church and got baptized at Discover Church. He's now married now and they have a beautiful little girl. He serves on one of our dream teams. And so he reached out to Ryan and said, Ryan, what's that church you've been going to? And Ryan told him about Discover. Chris came in a little over a year ago and sat in one of our services and he made a profession of faith. In fact, when we were singing the song, you've heard, some of you heard us sing this before, where the bridge goes, hell lost another one, I am free, I am free. He made a decision for faith on that Sunday when we prayed about that and he told the person that he prayed with, man, hell lost me today. Chris continued to tell me about how he had an up and down journey with his sobriety over the next year. And through those up and downs, he said, quote, members of Discover Church reached out to me relentlessly. I never really responded to them that entire time, but they never stopped reaching out to me. Can I just say as your pastor, well done church. This isn't something the pastor did. This is something that you did. One of our values as a church is that we would love well, that we will have an irrational pursuit of people to show them the grace and truth of Jesus. Well done. On September 12th, 2022, I made it through a whole day sober. I made myself go to recovery meeting and while there I completely broke down and begged for God's forgiveness and mercy. And quicker than I could comprehend, the darkness lifted, the weight of shame and defeat left me. I reached out to the members of Discover Church and reached out to my support group sponsors that I had been a part of and I began to see the path laid out before me by God. And after much counseling and help, I've realized what went wrong during the first couple of attempts at sobriety. I didn't know what it meant or what it looked like to really live or walk as a Christian. 
What I realized is that I was mimicking what I saw from others around me and not the authenticity that God wanted for me or from me. I did not put God above myself. I still wanted to be in control. I wanted to have some aspect of power. And I realized that I needed to let go of what I thought I needed to do and begin to try to understand what God wanted for me to do. This is far from easy and I fail daily. But for the first time in my life, I was able to know without a doubt in my mind that Jesus Christ was in fact my savior and that God has a plan for me, that God moved in my life at the darkest of times so that I'm able to write this today with hopefulness for the future. I've been going through Starting Point Discipleship Program and that's been a true blessing. I've made the decision to give my life to God and begin a new life given by Christ. Praise God. Listen to me, church. This is what it looks like to see our city changed by Jesus one life at a time. And listen to me. Y'all need to pray for Chris. Because anyone that's ever wrestled with addiction, overcome addiction, or felt defeated by addiction knows that the breath of the enemy breathes hot down your neck, chasing you down, that every time you feel like you can get your head above the waterline to get a breath of fresh air, the enemy pulls you right back down. Y'all, we need to be praying for Chris. We need to encourage Chris. We need to let Chris know that even though as he navigates his journey, as he begins to walk in faith after Christ and trust in him and allow God to build this victory in his life that Jesus died for him to have, he needs to know that his faith family, while he fights the fight on a daily basis, his faith family has got his back and is praying for him and fighting the fight behind the scenes as he is fighting his fight front and center. And so what I would love today is just put your hands together. Would you commit to pray for Chris? Would you commit to to lift him up in prayer that God would continue to give him victory after victory as he continues to wrestle through these things? Come on. Can you let him know that you would pray for him? Come on. Chris, your church has your back, brother. And you're not going through this alone. And so if you were here when we began this never settled journey, I want you to know this is what God's been doing. This is part of the fruit that happens as a result of your faith, of your obedience, of your sacrifice and generosity. And on behalf of those whose lives have been impacted, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. And if you're here at Discover Church and I don't know, you've you joined us at some point since we started this journey, can I just tell you, I would love to invite you to be a part of what God is doing here. I wanna invite you to join us. I wanna invite you to, to prayerfully consider if this is your faith family, would, it be, would there be something that God might lead you to do to be a part of what, of what he's doing in and through our church? So I want to ask our ushers to come and I want to, I want to give you a few things, some things that we gave out to everybody at the beginning of the journey. I want to give the same stuff to you. It's, it's, it's a workbook that's going to provide a lot more detail about what we're doing and what, what God has been doing. You're also going to find a section in there where, where I would encourage you, go back and, and watch the message. You can find it on the homepage of our website. There's a place for you to take some notes or some questions for you to think about. And then you're also going to find a commitment card that is separate from that. And I'm just going to ask you to do the same thing that I ask every single one of us to do at the beginning of this journey, would you take this commitment card, would you take all this before the Lord in prayer and say, God, what would you have me to do? And whatever it is that God would lead you to do, you do that. 
And just like they did, when I showed you the pictures where we clipped it to those, to those stands, if God would lead you to join us and to be a part of this, then I would encourage you, fill out that commitment card. Bring it back at some point over the next couple of weeks and drop it in the bucket because there's something powerful happens when your commitment of faith moves beyond something that you think in your head or you feel in your spirit and becomes something that becomes physical, tactile, and tangible and it leaves your hand and it you saying, God, here it is, would you take it? And so would you do this? If you're newer with us and, and, and if you would just be willing to commit to pray, would you just raise your hand because we got some ushers that are gonna bring some stuff to you, some information. Uh, again, I'm not trying to force it. I'm not trying to shove it. I just, God's got his church. God hasn't needed your money or my money at any point of the 2,000 years leading up to today. What he wants is your heart. What he wants is for you to know that he has carved out a space in the story that he is writing. And as crazy as it may seem, the God of heaven who created the universe at the speed of thought is inviting you to be a part of a thing that is changing people's lives right now, today. So would you pray over this and go where God would lead you? And if you're here today and maybe you're wrestling with something in your life, maybe you're like Chris and you're wrestling with a, with a substance issue. Maybe you're like Chris and you feel hopeless, without love, without joy, without peace. Maybe you're asking yourself the question, can God do that in my life? Can I just point to Chris's life and emphatically say, yes, he can. He can and he will. But God is a gentleman and he is not gonna force himself upon you. Revelation chapter three, verse 20, Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is knocking on the door of your life today. And Jesus says this, anyone, no matter where you're from, no matter where you've been, no matter who you vote for, no matter what your socioeconomic status is, no matter what your race, no matter what they said about you, no matter what they did to you, no matter what you did to them. He says, anyone who would open the door and allow me to come in, I will come in and have fellowship and I will dine with them. The picture he's painting is relational intimacy. What God has done in Chris's life, God has done in my life. And if God can do it in us, he can do it in you. But it starts with you giving him the freedom to take away the things that you've been holding on so tightly to. It starts with you asking him to forgive you. And it will continue every day. then God will continue to fill you up. And the more you give him access to, the more weight and burden that he lifts, the more shame he takes away, and the more joy and victory and peace he replaces it with. At Discover Church, we exist to see our city changed by Jesus, one life at a time. If you'd like to take your next step of faith today, text the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. Again, that's the word FAITH to 816 Two zero three one eight three five. 
If this is your first time listening, we'd love to connect. Reach out to us on social media and let us know that you've found us through the Discover Church podcast. Thanks for listening.